Welcome to the Word for Our Time podcast. In this podcast, we study the Word of God and bring out relevant lessons that can apply to our daily lives. You know, today we have a really interesting study. Many times I hear the statement, well, I used to go to a specific denomination, whether that was Baptist or Pentecostal or Catholic or Seventh-day Adventist, but now I'm non-denominational. I hear certain statements where people say, I think denominations are useless. They only divide. And for that reason, I'm non-denominational. Or maybe another way of saying it is, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a Baptist Christian. Or I'm a Christian, but I'm not a Catholic. Or I'm a Christian, but I'm not a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. You know, of course, you can substitute it with any denomination. But it's a statement that I've heard many times before. I'm not sure if you've heard that statement before as well, or if you feel that same way. And I want to I want to go through a study today where we understand a little bit more, what does that mean? Why do people say it? And where do we go from here? Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to study your word. Allow your Holy Spirit to fall upon us and bring us all to all truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, I'm non-denominational, or I don't believe in denominations. I'm a non-denominational Christian. Or, I'm a Christian, not a fill-in-the-blank denomination Christian. It's a statement that I've heard many times. I can say for myself, I do belong to a denomination. However, I've heard the statement being said many times. You know, whenever I hear someone say this, I believe usually it's because the person is trying to separate themselves from all the formalities and politics and man-made traditions from their specific denomination. They look around their church and they see that what's happening in church is the opposite of what, of what they read in the Bible. I see Christ in the Bible, then I look around at my church and I'm not seeing it match up. And so people say, you know what, forget this. I just want to follow Christ. I don't want to be part of a denomination. I just want to be a Christian. And if we look at church history, we find these sentiments happen all the time. These things are not new. You know, uh, in church history, we kind of see a cycle that happens very often. It starts off with a group of people. They have a set of beliefs and a set of doctrines, and they become a new church. <clears throat> As time passes, traditions, rules, regulations, and man-made theories get added to the original set of beliefs and doctrines. The growing number of man-made rules and regulations and traditions causes bureaucracy, politics, and it causes for the Holy Spirit to be stifled in church. So then, a group of people who are studying the Word of God in that church, they say, what's going on? What I'm reading in the Bible is different than what I'm experiencing in my church. And so what they do, they separate, they create a new group, and a new set of beliefs and doctrines, and the cycle starts all over again. But the question is, is the problem the doctrines and the set of beliefs, or is the problem all the man-made traditions that creep in over time? 
I think it's fair to say that right now we're going through a process in the Christian church in um, most countries, not all, where people want to move from a conservative fundamental Christianity to more of a liberal humanist Christianity. You know, people say the problem is that in the conservative fundamental Christianity, it doesn't seem to be working anymore. All of these rules and regulations that say, don't wear this, don't watch this, don't eat this, don't do this to your body, don't date this person, don't listen to this type of music. Maybe they worked for an, or, for an older generation, but it's not working now. People are looking around and saying, what's with all these rules and regulations? I need to separate from this. And so now people are questioning and asking, why? Why is it that I can't do this or I can't do that? Why do we have all these rules and regulations and traditions? Are these rules from God or are they just man-made traditions? It seems like the people in the church, they want to leave. And the people outside of church don't want to come in. So there's a push to move Christianity to uh, a place where we meet the needs of people first. A Christianity that meets the needs of the community around them. A Christianity that focuses on showing the love of God to people, no matter their circumstance. Accepting people for who they are. Not always just telling them, you can't do this, you shouldn't do that, you can't wear this, you can't look at that. But accepting them for who they are. Showing them the love of God. We sometimes call this the Jesus method. Looking at ministry the way that Jesus did, he healed people, he fed people, he helped those in need, he met people's needs, and met sinners where they were. Now this is true, <clears throat> but like anything else, it can be perverted by the enemy. Of course, a relationship with Jesus is what is needed to change the heart. And this is what we need to call people to. But sometimes we go too far and say that we need to show love without the gospel. Showing love without the gospel is better than showing love with the gospel. Because we want to meet the needs of people without telling them about our Jesus. Because we don't want to seem like we're forcing our religion down their throat or that we're only helping them so we can hook them into our church. So we say, let's not tell them about Jesus Let's not share the gospel. Let's just go and help. Or, okay, fine. If we are going to share the gospel, let's make sure we don't share the, uh, the divisive parts or the parts of the gospel that are confrontational. Only the parts that are, you know, pretty much generally accepted, easy to hear parts of the gospel. But if we take a step back and we think about showing the love of God to people, the greatest love we can show is by sharing the full gospel with someone. You see, it makes no sense to say, I want to show love, but I don't want to share the gospel. Because the gospel is a gospel of love. Is it true that due to man-made traditions and rules, the gospel has been perverted and tainted? We understand. But the gospel of the Bible even as controversial as it is sometimes, is a gospel of love. There is no greater love, no greater way that we can help those in need. See, what happens sometimes is we're so fearful 
we're fearful of introducing people to our messed up church or introducing people to our messed up religion that we say, guys, don't tell them about our church or about our religion. Just show them love, do kind things, but don't really share the gospel or don't really share our church or anything else. But we forget that we're talking about a person. We're not talking about a thing or a place or a pastor or a group of elders or, or a praise team or a worship leader. We're talking about God, our loving Father, the one who stands closer than a brother, our faithful and gracious and merciful King, the Alpha and the Omega, Jehovah Jireh, our provider, Elroy, the God who sees, the great I Am. Who wouldn't want to know about him? We are too caught up in our own minds, scared of sharing our church, of sharing our religion. But we're not sharing our church or our religion. We're sharing Christ. Never be ashamed, scared, or nervous to share Christ. Yes, will people reject him? Of course. Will people say, turn their backs on you? Of course. But we need to continue to share him. It's the greatest need. It's the greatest need on earth. If we want to meet the needs of people, then share our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's the greatest need. Share the person that you know. Don't share the church or your pastor, but share the God that you serve, your Savior, Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way people can fall in love with this Jesus that we know, is to get to know him. To know him is to love him. You see, oftentimes we struggle with this. Because we have our own issues with our relationship with Christ, our witness is weak. And we all suffer with this. And this is why we have a hard time and the church ultimately, ultimately suffers. Think about meeting someone for the first time and you tell them about this rich man. And he lives, the rich man lives on the street. And anyone who knocks on this door and asks for help, the rich man will pull out $100,000 cash and give to them. All you got to do is knock on the door and ask for help. Now, if you saw someone in need, wouldn't you share this information? Wouldn't you say, hey, go knock on that door down the street and a rich man will give you $100,000? Well, Jesus isn't giving out $100,000. He's giving something infinitely better, eternal life. How much more could we share? He is giving not only eternal life in the life to come, but peace and joy in the life here. I'm not saying that it's going to be wonderful and a bed of roses and you won't have any problems once you just baptize and join and, and, and join your relationship with Christ. But even through your storm, you'll have that peace that passes all understanding. There can sometimes be a tendency to limit our witness or try not to tell people about Jesus. But we, never, but we should never allow any circumstance to stop us from proclaiming the gospel, even if the church is messed up, or even if our religion is, is messed up, or even if we are messed up. These constant back and forths that we see in church on how church should act, and the pendulum that swings from one generation to another, from conservative to liberal and liberal to conservative, I think that often is the reason why people say, you know what, I'm non-denominational. I just want to forget about it. You know, one denomination is conservative, 
The other one's liberal. One believes in this. The other believes in that. So forget it. I'm just going to be non-denominational. Well, there's a problem with that. Because by definition, a denomination is a religious group with shared beliefs and doctrines. And when you're non-denominational, you're still a religious group with shared beliefs and doctrines. Their non-denomination is just another type of denomination. People don't like the word doctrines. You know, we say doctrines divide us. We shouldn't focus on any doctrines. That doctrines is what we need to get away from, and that's what's causing all this strife in church. But it is biblical. Having a core set of beliefs is important because unfortunately there is false doctrine. You see, if if there was no false doctrine and if we lived in a world where only truth was spoken, then yes, we wouldn't need any type of division or in ensuring we have a core set of beliefs. But because there is false doctrine, we have to make sure we have the right core set of beliefs. The Bible is clear that unfortunately there will be many false teachers and false doctrines, many false religious beliefs. So what do we have to do to combat that? We have to make sure that we are believing in beliefs and doctrines that are true. Now let's go to the word. Let's go to the word to see where I'm coming from with all of this. You see, the issue really has to do with truth, truth and error. And the situation that the enemy has put us in. Let's look at John. John chapter 4 verse 24. John chapter 4 verse 24 says, God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, when we don't know something, God doesn't judge us. He doesn't judge us for things that we don't know. But when we have the opportunity to know. And we say, well, I'm not going to read my Bible. I'm not going to study for myself because I don't want to or I'm too busy. Well, then God holds us accountable. We had the opportunity to know something, but just because we were too busy or we didn't have the time, we didn't study. Well, that is us not looking for truth. Let's look at John 14, verse 6. John 14, verse 6. It says that Jesus said to him, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Well, that's pretty direct. That is pretty direct. If there's any false teaching that says there's another way to get to, get to the Father, if there's another way to, to get to eternal life, we automatically know That is a false doctrine. So we got to stay away from false doctrines and try to stick with the true doctrines. That's why doctrines are important. It's not so much to divide us and say, oh, point fingers at other people. It's to ensure that we are aligned with what the Bible says. How about 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 to 17? 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 to 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. You see here, the the scripture is given by God. But why is it given by God? For teaching, 
for reproof, for correction, for training. So the word, so the word of God must be used to keep us on a certain path, a certain path of what is true, what is God trying to tell us. That's why it is important to have a certain set of core beliefs, in other words, doctrines that we that you know you can prove from the word of God is true. So that, and if you continue to, at the end of that verse, so that the man of God may be competent, equipped in every good work. How do we get competent? How do we get equipped? By understanding what the word of God says, what scripture says. How about Acts chapter 20? Acts chapter 20, verse 29 to 30, is a warning for us. Acts chapter 20, 20 29 and 30 says, For I know this, <clears throat> that after my departing, shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of, the, of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So what are we being warned about? We're being warned that we have to be careful because from among you, people will rise up with these false doctrines and these weird beliefs and their goal is to get followers to follow them. So if we're not careful, we may be taken by these false doctrines as well. How about Matthew? Matthew chapter 7 verse 15. Matthew chapter 7 verse 15 says, "Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves." So this is where we get the term a wolf in sheep's clothing. We have to be care of false prophets. So what does that mean? We got to make sure we're studying the right prophets. How about 1 Timothy uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says, "Now the spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times shall some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils." Ooh, what does this say? What does this say? This says that these seducing spirits will have doctrines, but they won't be doctrines of God. They will be doctrines of devils. You see how important doctrine is. You see, doctrine, we often sometimes see it as this thing that's blocking us and that's separating us, but it's more like guardrails on the highway, ensuring that we don't fall off the road. Doctrines... They say doctrines divide us, but the truth is the true doctrines help to unite us, unite us on the path, on the path to truth. 1 John 4 verse 1. Let's look at 1 John 4 verse 1. It says there, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into this world. Well, how do we try the spirits? Well, we know what the truth is. The truth is the word of God. And here's something that we have to be careful of, because I'm talking about doctrines, and I'm talking about denominations, and I'm talking about how it's important to have a core set of beliefs, and not kind of be tossed to and fro by any wind of doctrine. But we have to be careful that we don't read the Bible, and then interpret it in our own you know, idea of what the Bible says. Let the Bible interpret itself. Let's not look at a verse in the Bible that's clear 
and say, well, that's not really what it means because if you think about it in context and if you think about it in this, and we now twist the word of God to say whatever we want it to say. Let the Bible explain itself. Let's read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9. I'll just read the first part. It says, Be not carried away with diverse and strange doctrines. So once again, a warning that there will be false and strange doctrines. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 will go from 11 to 14. It says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the working of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13, Till we all come in the unity of the faith, and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14, That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Ooh, if that is not clear, it is so clear. We should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. So what's happening is, because we don't want to have a set of doctrines and a set of core beliefs, we kind of want to push away from that because that's causing so much rules and regulations. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't do this. Don't do that. And we say, I want to be free. I want to be free in my Christianity. I can't stand all these rules and regulations. We throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's true that oftentimes, as we heard earlier in this podcast, there's a cycle where we have a true set of core beliefs we're wonderful that are wonderful, but over time, a lot of man-made traditions and rules and regulations get added to it. So what ends up happening is people want to push away from that and they want to turn their back on these churches and maybe start something different. But that's not what needs to happen. What needs to happen is reform, reformation, a revival, revival and reformation, going back to what originally was the truth, figuring out, is this what God says? Studying the word, reasoning with the word, going back and forth and doing the hard work of going line line upon line, precept upon precept to understand why I believe this, why I, why I understand this to be true. You see, the Bible is the expressed word of God. We have to study and believe the Bible for ourselves and let the Holy Spirit guide us to all truth. But the Holy Spirit will not tell us something that contradicts the Bible itself. And <clears throat> we can find a group of people who truly follow the Word of God and who stick to those doctrines, those core beliefs. A few more verses as I wrap up. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 20. Isaiah chapter 8 verse 20 it says, To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. What a powerful, powerful verse and a powerful lesson for us. 
to the law and to the testimony. You can think about it as to the writings of Moses and to the writings of the prophets. If they don't speak according to this, it's because there is no light in them. So right there we have a guide of how we can build all of our doctrines. What does the Bible say? Brothers and sisters, we know that oftentimes in church, it's difficult. There are all these things that people say to do or not to do, and it's hard to know, is this biblical or is it not? But we can't run from these things. We must do the hard work of studying. Studying and searching and praying and asking for the Holy Spirit for wisdom, for guidance, and He will guide us to all truth. Doctrines don't divide. Doctrines help to align us to what the truth is. Let us pray that we will not be tossed to and fro by all these false doctrines, that we won't be led astray by false teachers, but we will study, study the Word of God to see what is true. I thank you once again for joining me on this Word for Our Time podcast. I pray that you will be blessed and that God will keep you safe until we meet again. Let's pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank you so much for allowing us the privilege for to study your word of God, to, to study your word. Lord, the Bible says that the word is a lamp unto my feet. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit will guide us to all truth. So I pray to you, Father, that we will study your word, will be guided to all truth, and will not fall for any of these false doctrines. But we will study your word for ourselves to know what is true. We love you, Lord God, and until we meet again, keep everyone safe and healthy. I ask these things in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Take care, everyone.